0: Well, good morning, everybody. You made it. You're on time somewhat, maybe not awake. I uh, found myself this morning just spacing out, telling myself you're spacing out. You're right. I'm spacing out. What time is it? I'm spacing out. There's a little poem I wrote just right then, right there on the spot. We're glad that you guys are here uh, to worship with us. My name is Alex Britton. I'm the campus pastor here and we are in. Uh, Kind of the last couple weeks of a series on identity that we've been talking about, uh, looking at the book of First Peter uh, in the New Testament of the Bible. And First Peter is written to the early Christians in uh, the first century who are beginning really this movement of Christianity. And at the core of the question that they're asking in their life is, how do I live as a Christ follower? Like, what's my life supposed to look like? Uh, what does it mean I do? What does it mean that I, that I don't do? And Peter is writing the book to these early Christians as an eyewitness and as a follower of Christ. He was one of the original 12 disciples. So he walked with Christ. He saw Christ. He knew Christ personally. And he has a lot to write about what a Christ follower is because he learned really... Through ups and downs of what it is and what it's not from his own life and sometimes even his own rebukes that he received from Jesus himself. Things that he kind of missed the mark. And so he's writing really to everyone in the world who, who follows Christ who wants to figure out what does it mean to live uh, the Christian life. And so we've been looking at that specifically through the lens of what does that mean for our identity? And we've defined identity as who I am at the core of my being. It's not a role that we play. Uh, Certainly, we we play different roles. We work at a company. uh, We may be a student. uh, We may be a husband. We may be a wife. We may be a friend, brother, sister, daughter, son, all that stuff. Those are roles that we play, but that doesn't actually define us completely at our core. There's something else that defines us. And as a Christian, and even if you're not a Christian, God's role in your life, that's what is your prime identity. Because... He made us. He is our creator. And therefore, we look to him really for our ultimate reality, our ultimate uh, direction. And so we've been looking at over the last few weeks of of what that means. And so I I just want to briefly summarize where we've been uh, just to catch us all up so we're on the the same page. But if you look here, I'm just going to have the titles of uh, each message over the last few weeks. We started talking about a new view of me and how when you become a Christian at that instant, when you decide to follow Christ, you become a child of God. And as a child of God, God is now your, your father. And now you, your life's different and your view of yourself is different because of that. Uh, the second week, uh, we talked about the never fading inheritance. That is when you become a child of God, you also now your, your eternal destiny has been changed. And God has prepared a place for us that we are going to be forever with him. And so we view this life not through the lens of this is Everything. We view this life as as people that are actually passing through, heading to an eternal destination that that God's prepared. That's tied to our identity. The the third week, part three, uh, we talked about expect to be different. How if you're changed at your core, then really the measure of your life, what makes you a successful person? What brings you the good life that changes? Again, it's tied to your identity. And then part four built together, building together. We talked about this two weeks ago. And when your core changes as a Christian, you primarily move from just being an individual to being a part of something bigger than yourself. And you're connected to the church community. And that's part of what you give your time, your resources. This is a part of your identity is that you're not alone in this life. You actually are connected to brothers and sisters who've also decided to follow Jesus as well. And that defines you, too, and, and what you give yourself to. And then last week part five, we talked about all authority and how if you're changed at your core, you also change the way that you actually follow those over you. Your response is different. The way your attitude is, is different. And so over each week, the hope has been, how do we talk about identity in the way that it translates into actual life? Like what difference does it make to be a Christian. So our hope for you is if you are a Christ follower, that this has kind of reaffirmed and maybe encouraged you, okay, this is the life that I, I get to live in and it's a privilege and I want to do it well. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, I hope this has helped clarify the picture of what does it mean to be a Christian? And our hope at Church in the Valley is wherever you are, we want to help you take your next step. Today, we're going to talk specifically about how does our identity in Christ change kind of our reference point and how we read and react in situations as we look, as we relate to those around us. Uh, Peter was writing this in a time where to be a Christian meant pretty much you were going to be uh, persecuted. In the first century, Jesus himself was taken and crucified and killed because of his claim to be the son of God. And he rose again and he conquered death. And that changes our identity. But to be a Christ follower in that time meant that you are connected to this person that in the eyes of the religious leaders, in the eyes of most, that this, this person was, was a heretic. There's something about him that, that we cannot accept. We cannot follow. And so Peter's writing this with this understanding of to be a Christian means that you're to be persecuted. But he also writes with the sense of to be persecuted also means that you really have to have a firm grip on your loyalty, what you really live for. And so today I'm talking about this idea of your identity changing at the core and it actually shifts the way that you identify in a group of people. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a strong pull in me to be accepted. Would you agree with that? If you were to walk into a group of people Isn't your instinct like how am I going to be accepted? And you might have felt that even at this church. You feel that as you enter maybe a new work environment. You you feel that as you interact with friends, there's always this sense of, How am I going to be accepted? How do I fit into this group? Will people talk to me? Will people like me? Will I be loved? I think that's an important thing that we all long for, acceptance. Now, another kind of nuance is that is we want to be accepted, but we also want to be seen as somebody as, as credible, right? Maybe not incredible, but at least credible, like not crazy. We want to be credible. We want to kind of people to listen to us when we speak and think like, okay, there's something to that. We, we like to be credible people. We like to be accepted. We like to have something to offer. Well, Peter, right. He writes to all of us who have this pull of acceptance. And I think in, in our culture, there's, there's also this pull to be cool. Not only to be accepted and credible, but to actually look as someone favorable in a group, somebody to look up to. And the younger you are, that pull for cool really does pull cool you. When you get a little bit older, you get to the point where you're like, I don't really care if I'm cool anymore. The other day, I picked up my daughter from a youth group event in sweatpants. I'm no longer cool. And I didn't even care because comfort was more important. So you get older and comfort becomes more important than cool. Okay. Okay. You may not think that, but that happened to me just a couple weeks ago. But all of these things, they, they, they're these kind of reference and expectations that we have for how we fit into a group. And so Peter is writing to Christians specifically in this time saying, if your reference of whether you've made it in life is to be accepted, it's going to be very difficult for you to really experience the life Christ has for you. If You desire more than anything to be credible or you desire to be cool. Following Christ, Christ, it's going to make that pull in you very difficult to obtain. And so I'm writing to, to us today where we might not feel the persecution in the same way as the early followers of Christ did. But we are living in a time more and more where to be a Christian definitely does not equate you with being a credible person. In fact, most people, culture, media, where we work, it doesn't give you any bonus points. It may be neutral to some, but it also may just, you you know, in their view of you, you're kind of down a few notches. We like him, but he's a Christian. There's just a little bit of this this thing that's happening more and more. It's existed from the beginning of time. It's just this disregard for people of the Christian faith. And more and more, we face this and we face this in America more and more, where to be a Christian, I think we're going to be facing more and more persecution. I don't write this to scare you. I write this as the reality of you have to nail down what's the most important to you. And if the most important is to be accepted, you're going to have to really, really decide over time that you're going to have to kill that. It's going to be very hard to be ultimately accepted and keep your loyalty to Christ. And so Peter is writing this and he's kind of giving this vision of the kind of life that a Christ follower has, a life of courage, a life of, of loyalty, a life that flows not in the same stream as those who do not have faith in Christ. So that's that's the backdrop of of what's happening. And there's this kind of objective that we're supposed to have to to Christ followers that he's writing kind of under. And and this is the, the objective. A Christ followers objective is to be instruments God uses to help people hostile to Christ and his people become favorable toward him to the point that they want to know more about him. When you become a Christ follower. It changes you from the inside out. It changes you at your core. But a big thing that Christ does is as he changes you, he wants to use your life as an instrument to bring change in the world. Now, all of us will think like, I want to change the world. We want that. If you're a Christ father, I hope that compels you to be a part of God changing the world, bringing light into the darkness. But when you read that word hostile... We're entering into more and more time where that is going to be a reality. People are going to be more hostile to those of the Christian faith. And Peter writes with this. Everyone knows this. They're experiencing it. But for us today, it's something that we actually have to come to grips with. Because this is going to be happening more and more. And you may have even experienced it yourself. So we want to be instruments of change. But but how does that happen? Well, for us to be instruments of change, you'll see this on the screen too, is we must... Identify with Christ to be instruments of influence in our world. Throughout the New Testament, Christians are labeled different things. One of the primary label of a, of a Christian is someone who's supposed to be an ambassador. And that goes to our identity. Peter talks about this in chapter one. You're an elect exile. If you're a Christian, God has chosen you and you, you follow him and, and he's your father. But you're an exile in that your whole belonging and acceptance is not going to fit in this world entirely anymore. You're now a citizen of heaven traveling on your way there. And you're an ambassador of God's kingdom. You represent a new value structure and a new way of life. For somebody to understand what it means to be a Christian, it's not just information. It's not just a paper where you can read, okay, this is what a Christian is. It's actually a new way of life. And that's why it's so important for Christians to live the new way of life, because people are seeing your life as the definition of what a Christian is supposed to be. So our objective is we we want to be the instruments of influence, and it happens as we identify uh, with Christ, and we do that as an ambassador. Here's the definition of ambassador. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Here's where it kind of is a little bit different. For a Christian, you're born into this world and what the world values and its standards makes complete sense to us. But When you become a Christian, you now become an ambassador of a different world. But you still live in the world that originally made the most sense to you. And this is part of the struggle and the pull of the Christian life is the way of earth and of the world makes sense to us because this is where we're from. But our identity in Christ is. But you represent now a, a land to which you're going. So everything that you do and what you say is supposed to have the flavor of this place, the kingdom of God. So as an ambassador, we we're thinking of how we relate and respond, and, and this happens in numerous ways. Now, now, Peter is writing this, knowing that he has blown it as an ambassador for Christ. There's two instances to represent two extremes in his own life. Now, if the thought of people understanding what a Christian is by looking at your life kind of freaks you out a little bit, I know it does me. Peter's example should encourage us. He went from one extreme. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples were all there gathered, and the high priest, the religious leaders of Judaism came to seize Jesus. And Peter, as Jesus was seized, took his sword and he cut The ear off of a chief priest. If you don't read the Bible, you miss stuff like ears being cut off. Okay? Especially you men. There's some good stuff in there. But that's Peter's response. Like, we're his disciples. You can't take him. And he grabs his sword and he lops off the ear. And, you know, Peter's like, got your back, Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, Peter, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. What Jesus is talking about is there is a new way. That's not my kingdom. We don't do it by force. We don't do it by power. There's freedom. And I've actually come to to do what my Father has asked me, and this is a part of it. And so Peter just okay. Well, I guess I should have kept the. You know, could you imagine the scene after? We're like, sorry, put the sword away. Just kind of step back into the crowd a little bit. That was his first response. Blew it. This is what Christ followers do. They lop ears off. Now, that would be an interesting headline today. We don't do that. But the other extreme was, I think, something we can identify with. And that's he actually rejected Christ. Jesus himself said that you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter's like, God, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. There is no way. Jesus was seized. And the hostile environment increased. And people are looking, where's these disciples? Where are these followers of Christ? We've got their, their leader. Let's get them. And three different times, people came to me. Aren't you, aren't you a follower of Jesus? No, I, I've never known him. Why aren't you, aren't you a, a follower of Jesus? Don't you represent him? Isn't you his disciple? No, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So he went from this chief loyalty of, I will defend you, to a disregard. I've never known you existed. So Peter is writing to these groups of Christians in a way of saying, "Like, listen, guys, I've blown it. I've had so many opportunities to be instruments of influence, and I've used power where I'm supposed to use grace, and I've supposed to identify with Christ, and I've denied Him. So when I tell you this, listen to me, the person who I've missed the mark more than I made it, but along the way I, I've learned. So he's, he's writing this to us in the same way. No matter where you are, and you're identifying with Christ, whether you've hit the mark or not, it's not too late. We still can be an influence in our world. And so here's what Peter says. If you want to be an instrument of influence based on your new identity as a Christ follower, the first thing is you bless instead of payback. Now, again, is that a different way of living? I believe it is. I will bless if you blessed. I will pay back if you've done that to me. We're, we're, you know, for the most part, we're reciprocal people. What Jesus is saying is there's a different currency. When people slander you, you don't slander back. You don't use the same currency. You're an ambassador of a different land. You bless. When people come against you and they mock you and they make fun of you. You don't use the same currency. You you bless. And this is what he says in 1 Peter 3. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. See a different flow. The unity of mind. You see that there. Brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. That the picture here is this sympathy and a tender heart. It's you have compassion on people. And to be a Christ follower means that you don't one up somebody when they do that to you. You don't one up them in the same measure. You, you do the exact opposite. This is so counterintuitive. I'm just going to share. This is like embarrassing my own story, like recently. A lot happens when I drive. Okay. Full disclosure. Sometimes my identity with Christ, once I get in the driver's seat, there's a struggle there. Jesus, take the wheel, you know. That doesn't work because I still have to hold on to it. And recently, like I was at a light and I didn't go right away. Because here's the thing. Here's the bottom line. I'm a distracted driver. I'm, I deserve a lot of what I get. But somebody honked and it, and it chapped me. And so I honked. And man, it felt good. And they honked. I honked again. This is a true story. And I'm like, not embarrassed about it at the time. I'm like, see if he honks again. That's what I thought. See if he honks again. And you know what? They did. And then I'm driving, and I'm still listening to the honk. And it, one more time. Mm. And then I'm driving away and I literally... The Lord just sometimes, you know, gives me like the, really? I don't know if God ever does that to you in a response that you have, but it... Really? Yeah, but like they, they, they honked at me. You know when you... You get like the really from God and then you revert back to like your four-year-old self. You know you're usually not on the right. Well, yeah, like hurt my feelings. And I do that like in my driving, but this is the normal response. If somebody does it to us, there's just something in us, this pull. It's the world in which we were born into and it's ways you repay with the same currency that's given to you. Evil for evil. Curse for curse. Jesus didn't come for that. He came to Reversed. He came to take the curse on himself. So for me, when, when I'm hurt by somebody, I have a response. Will I hurt them back? If Somebody ridicules me. Will I mock them? And we learn this from a young age. It's survival. And what Peter is saying is, is if you want to, identify with Christ and be a light in the darkness, you cannot live the same way. If you want to be a stark difference in your world, you bless instead of payback. Because what it is, is if you get on this payback roundabout and it just keeps going round and round and round, somebody has to finally decide they're no longer going to keep honking the horn. Somebody has to decide to stop. And what Peter is saying is, is you stop, Christ follower, because Jesus himself absorbed the blow for you. We read this last week, but you see that in 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This healing is when people wrong you, Jesus himself died for you so that when people wrong you by his wounds, you have healing. You don't find healing and payback. That's the thing with paying back with revenge, with one upping, with reciprocating wrong. There's no healing. Because you have to keep getting each other back. So as a Christ follower, you stop. You say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to justify myself. Why? Because Jesus took the blow for me. He took it. And because he took it, I don't have to keep it going. So Peter is saying is when people come against you, if you're a Christian, we're going to experience this more and more. The way we respond is going to have a direct impact on people's view of what a Christian is. So we're supposed to live this different type of way and so when people wrong us we we choose to forgive we let it go it doesn't mean we become doormats but it does mean that when people come against us we have to stop in that moment and say god help me to respond in a way that represents my my new identity help me to not defend help me not to lash out to be harsh help help me to represent you in a way that that pleases you So so many times we want to make a difference. And that's why Christ has placed us here, to make a difference. But it doesn't happen by just ideas. It happens in the times in which people come against us and we respond. It actually happens in the very difficult circumstances. God uses us as ambassadors. That's a primary way we we identify. The second way is we actually give thought to... Our answers. When people ask us about what it means to be a Christian, we, we identify by being ready to, to answer them. And you'll see this on the screen. We, we need to have good answers. And he continues, Peter, in 1 Peter, he says, Have no fear of them. Now the fear here is referring to the people that come against you. Have no fear, Christian. When people come against you, it, this is going to be normal. Have no fear. They rejected Jesus. They reject his followers. Nor be troubled, but in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason or for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And then it, it goes on. It says having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to, put to shame. If you go back to that previous slide, just want to walk through this briefly. This, this have good answer. Again, it begins with you, you don't have a fear. When somebody come against you and maybe they think that your Christianity doesn't make any sense. Maybe they think it's a crutch. Maybe they think you're just in a special category. You're not quite credible, but your faith is interesting if that's what you choose. In their mind, you're in a little bit different category. What Peter's saying is have no fear of that because you've set Christ apart in your heart. Your loyalty is to him. If you're not fully accepted, you're not looking to the world to accept you because the world can't accept you. You're not a citizen. You're an ambassador of God's kingdom. And so you you set that apart. You focus on that and then always being prepared to make a defense. Another version says always being ready to, to give an answer. What this is, is it goes back to your identity when somebody sees something and Peter describes it when they see the hope that you have. So that should be a challenge when people are watching you if you're a Christian, do they see the hope that you have? How are they going to see the hope? Well, the hope is going to come in the difficult circumstances, when people come against you. The hope is going to come when you face really difficult things. How do you respond? The hope is going to come when you're stressed out about your future, but you choose to And they see that. There's a hope there. There's something different. So always being ready, it's this idea of when people are seeing something different, you don't make the emphasis on you. You point to the difference that Jesus has made in your life. So Peter is saying is your loyalty will become tested and people are going to ask you why you're different. And at that moment you have to choose. Will I identify with Christ? Will I tell them this is why I make the choices I make? This is why I do what I do, because I am a follower of Christ. So you you have good answers. Now, an ambassador, uh, when they're representing their country and visiting another country, their primary role is to make a good impression to the country that they visit. A goal of an ambassador is to be invited back. You're going to have a very short job if you just burn all the bridges. Because you're representing your country. And it's the same way for Christians. As we're relating to people, we do it in a way where we're building bridges by the conversations that we have. They ask us for the reason for the hope. And we do it in a way where it leaves them wanting to know more. You know, you don't say, well, I'm glad you asked and your life screwed up. Here's how you fix it. That's not really going to leave a good impression. But you, you do it with this gentleness and respect. You meet the person where they are. And you're consistently pointing back to the difference Jesus made. And you ask him for help in the moment. Many times this happens when we least expect it. Somebody gives us an opportunity to identify with Christ. And in that moment, we have to choose. Am I going to take this or not? Am I going to choose my loyalty here to the Lord Jesus himself? And so you, you give a positive impression. Uh, you're prepared to answer questions. Why do did, why did Christians believe that? You want a better answer than because. Somebody from the other land is saying, why do you live that way in your land? And you want to answer it in a way that we do this. Because God made us to do this and God gives us the resource to do this. And you know what? I think you'd like it in this land. And as they're listening, they're like, I wonder if I would ever visit there. You see the picture. This is like all this like imagery. Peter's just, you're doing this. So these bridges, so people are going to be willing and maybe interested to experience more of, of the Christian life. And it happens as you identify, you do it with graciousness and respect. And if there's wrongs done, an ambassador wants to make it right. And there's so many examples of when as Christians we blow it. I know for me, I, I've blown it so many times with people who are non-Christian and I have to go back and I have to make it right. Like, I blew that. That's not the way I'm supposed to be. That's not who God made me to be. Will you forgive me? You have to humble yourself. And that's why in this passage you see this, this humility that, that comes back. You have to choose this. Because we blow it a lot. And so to be these instruments of influence, we, we bless instead of pay back. And then we, we have good answers. We're always looking. And the key to the good answer is you identify with Christ. And I want to talk about two primary ways that we do that. We identify with Christ as a Christian first by being baptized. If you've never seen a baptism, we're going to actually have one uh, in two weeks on the 25th. Christians get baptized because we're commanded to be baptized. Jesus himself was baptized by immersion, and he told his followers to be baptized. And so we we follow him in that. The reason is, is because it's actually one of the primary ways that we identify with being a Christian. We do it in a public place here at Church of the Valley, We do it out in the courtyard. And people get baptized. There's always that just, oh, everyone's going to watch me. It's kind of embarrassing. It's it's different. And I, and I think that's part of it's wired in there. It's to give us a little flavor of representing the new way. You do something like in with a group of people go underwater in front of them and they cheer for you. It's different. But it also is symbolic. It represents this drama of the God-changed life. Because when you stand there in the water, there's nothing special about the water, but when you stand there, this is your life, and then you get lowered down, and that is like being lowered down into the ground. It represents your death. So the Christian is saying... I'm identifying with Christ. I am dying to my citizenship of this world. I still live here, but that's not my primary identity. My acceptance is not my primary authority. What I live for. I'm dying to that. And the great thing about baptism and Christianity is that you don't just die because you have to be underwater a really long time. But just like Jesus died for our sins, We die to our old life and then we're raised again into the new life. When you become a Christian, that new life starts as soon as you commit your life to Christ. It doesn't happen when you're baptized. But you're baptized because Jesus commanded us to do it. And the Christian life again is he is my loyalty. He is my father. He is my king. I follow him. And if he tells me to do it, I do it. So this, this picture of baptism is, is a way that you publicly identify. If, if you're a Christ follower, you, you have to commit your life to Christ before you're baptized. The pattern in the scripture is always you believe and then you're baptized. You can't represent the new life if you not decide to follow Christ yet. So if you have committed your life to Christ and you've never been baptized, we would love to celebrate that with you. And so you can mark that on your connection card. If you want to be baptized in two weeks, we're going to have that. And we'd love for you to make that identification publicly with all of us. Again, it's one of those, those tests. Will you do what I've commanded you to do and claim your loyalty to me? So that's how you identify. So if you've done that, you've lived a little part of the Christian life. If you haven't, we, we'd like to talk to you more about that. So that's, that's one step. The second step is not just something that you do one time, which is what you do with baptism. The second is what happens ongoing, and that is to mention Christ in everyday conversations. There's opportunity to identify with Christ daily. It's just do we choose to take those opportunities. Uh, it could be you go to work tomorrow, and somebody asks you, how was your weekend? And you have a choice in that moment. Do I mention church? or Do I not mention church? Have you ever thought about that? Like if I mention church, I've now put myself out there. That's identifying. If you talk about a problem that you have, do you mention how God has helped you? That's another way to identify. Like, I, you know, I'm, I've really been stressed out and overwhelmed as people ask you how you're doing. Just surprise people. How are you doing? You know what? I'm really stressed. What on earth? You don't say that. You're supposed to say fine and smile and nod. But you see what happens. You know, I'm really stressed, but I'm I'm praying and asking God for help. And you know what? He's helping. That person's going to have a choice. I'm never going to ask them how they're doing again. (laughs) Or, or there's something there. But choose. Choose to identify in that moment. Think of a way where you can bring your identity in Christ in a conversation now. I'm just the disclaimer here is I don't want to be that person if we're real, right? Whatever that person is to us, you don't want to be that person. It seems like when we talk about identifying, it's like, I don't want to be the person with the billboard. And God bless those people. But in your relationships with people, there's just always little ways where you can identify with Christ. Sharing what's going on, how God's helped you, talking about what you're doing. Um, You can somebody's dealing with something you could tell them i'll I'll pray for you in that and they now have a little category for that okay that person's praying for me i don't exactly know what that means but then you check back you know i I prayed for this situation maybe somebody that you know like somebody passed away and they're just dealing with the morning i I prayed for you and your family How, how are you guys doing You've identified with Christ. So what, what's happening is, is, in a world where, where things are growing more and more antagonistic, and Christians are kind of just, you just stay in your own place. Don't speak to all of life. Science, psychology, we've got that. Truth, Christianity, stay in your lane. And more and more, we're being pushed aside. But the thing is, is in science... In psychology, there's so much help that comes there, but your identity's not changed. You're not born again. Your destiny doesn't change. As you follow Christ, you get a new way of life. And so, as you identify with Christ, you want to pray and ask God, God, help me to find the people who are looking for a new way of life they are looking for hope because they're hopeless. They're looking for answers because what they have in front of them is not sufficient. As you do this, God will put you in front of people and he will open doors for you to be able to identify and share the message of the difference that Jesus makes in your, in your life. Uh, Paul says this in Colossians 4, uh, Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Different author. This is Paul. But you see the same kind of approach. Respect. Gentleness. Humility. Consideration. If we treat people the way that Jesus treated people, they can't refute the love They can refute many things, but they can't refute the love that they experience. That's what Peter's saying. Is identify, 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 and look and pray and ask for ways to do that. Last Sunday, I've been speaking a lot about this identity and opportunities and loving people and sacrificing. And last Sunday, I had church and then I had a couple meetings and I got home really late and I just wanted to like, eat dinner and sit down and I had like my own win of what the day would look like and as I pulled in I noticed that new neighbors had just moved in and I was like okay this is great like I'll get to meet the new neighbors and I was thinking about this in mind like "There be no an opportunity to share Christ with these people now I'm a pastor so pretty easily and normally people ask me what I do and it's like well I'm a pastor oh interesting. Yes, it is. So what do you do for your job? That is my job. Oh, really interesting. Yes, it is. So, you know, that's my life. Your, your life's a little bit different where you can hide a little bit longer, maybe. Uh, but I introduced myself to the neighbor and uh, took them some cookies and just like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Like we want to just welcome them. And I it's like, good, like, that was a great opportunity. And as I was walking away, they had a moving truck that was full in the U-Haul and it was, had stuff in it. And as I was walking back, I was like, oh man, they got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and I got inside and God said, really? I'm, I'm tired. God, I just want to sit down. Really? And I just knew, I was like, oh man. I can't just greet them. I need to help them. And this is what God says. You, you need to help them. And I was thinking about, it's, it, it's in these moments where you, you, have, to, you have to choose. God, am, am I going to cooperate with you in the lives of these people? And I didn't want to do it. And I just thought, okay, I need, to, I need to get my sweatpants on. I wear those a lot, you can see. And I just need to go help. And my, my sons are like, can we help Dad? And I'm like, yeah, this is what it's about. This is what we do. Christians, we love. And we enter the world of those around us. And so as we're moving, we're unloading the truck and we're talking and, and I'm looking for ways to identify. And I've been able to identify with Christ. And now I'm thinking, like, how can I invite them to Easter? How can I connect with them further? And this is what happens. It happens in the times... We have a plan and often there's tests that God's bring. like, right here, will you identify with me? Will you claim your loyalty to me? Will you bless them? Even if they're rude to you? Will you serve them even if you don't want to? This is where it happens. And it's in those moments where I, I missed opportunities. I just pray, God, help me to have another one. But it's in those moments where that's where the good stuff is. You're living the life that God wants you to live. You represent him. So I want to encourage you between now and Easter, which is April 1st. What would it be in your life to identify with Christ? If you're a Christ follower, what, what would it mean? Who are the people in your life right now that you could write their name down? As somebody to identify with, I, I just ask you to think about that. Who in your life right now could you identify Christ with, in some way? Think about that. And that's one of the next steps today. And so, if, if you have kind of somebody in mind, pull out your connection cards right now and finish filling that out. If you have somebody in mind, I would love to pray for you this next week, for you to be able to identify Christ with that person. So maybe it's you need to. Bless them, somebody who's just making it hard on you. Maybe it's you need to bring God up in a conversation with them. Maybe you need to serve and help them. Maybe it's to offer to pray for them, whatever it is. Write the person's name down and then write what you think you need to do. And this week, I, I will pray for you for that opportunity. What I find in my own life, when I'm praying, God does things and he provides these opportunities. So I encourage you, write a person and write something that you can do. And I'd love to pray, pray for you. And then also, if there's some people in your life that you want to invite uh, to Easter, I, I encourage you to do that. So that just might be the next step. So I just need to invite somebody. I have no idea if they're interested in Christianity. I have no idea if they would ever come to church. But I'm willing to ask them. And see, see what happens. God's made us to be lights in this dark world. We just have an opportunity to shine. So let's pray and let's ask God finish filling out that connection card. If you haven't, and the band's going to come up, we're going to receive our offering and you can drop that, that in there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the second chances that you give us just like Peter. When we blow it, thank you for opening our eyes to see things that we don't see or don't want to see. And so, God, I I ask that you'll open our eyes to the opportunities to identify um, with those in our world, at, at the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our family. God, help us to pinpoint the person and to pinpoint what we could do to bring you into the conversation. God, there's a lot of fear that's involved in that. We don't quite know how people are going to take that. But, but Lord, ultimately, we claim our loyalty to you. So strengthen our resolve and provide these opportunities. In the name of Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.